2: If you've ever skied at Jackson Hole, Wyoming, and skied down to the base of the tram, you've almost certainly heard Peter Chanman Chandler playing. The Chanman is a singer-songwriter, guitarist, and band leader living and performing in Jackson Hole, Wyoming, for over 20 years. He performs as the frontman guitarist of the nine-piece roots reggae band, Chanman Roots Band, and in the Tram Jam Band. A perennial winner of the Best Musician of Jackson Hole Award, Chan Man's music has appeared in ski movies, including Blinded by the White and Swift Silent Deep, the story of the Jackson Hole Air Force. Chan Man has opened for the Wailers, Damien Marlin, the Violent Femmes, Robert Cray, Leon Russell, Robert Randolph and the Family Band, Greg Brown, the Scatolites, Los Lonely Boys, the Tamlins, and many others.
0: Bong bong bling bing, bing well I got to make sure I got all my things 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 I funnel through the dark to get all my stuff well I wake up my roommate He won't get up I go Bing bang bing bong bong bang bong bong bling bing, bing, bing Well I got to make sure I got down his thing So nice, I'm ah. just so nice. Ah. i do just now, cuz I know what I'm doing today. I know what I'm doing today. I know what I'm doing.
2: Welcome to Backstory Song. I'm your host, Doug Burke, and today I have Peter Chandler of many different bands, the Chan Man Roots Band, Waist Deep, Tram Jam, your own eponymously named band, Chan Man, with me. Welcome, Peter. Thank you for coming to Backstory Song.
1: Hi, Doug. It's great to be here.
2: So, Peter, you are a fixture at Jackson Hole Mountain. Why don't you tell us how your band got to Jackson Hole?
1: Well, I came to Jackson when I was 18, wanting to be a ski bum. And I lived that life for a long time. I eventually went back to college and then went to graduate school. After that, I came back. We and a partner, I had a partner, um, Bradley Parker. We talked to the management and they had us play at the bottom of the tram dock every Saturday morning from 7 to 9. To kind of, oh, I don't know, appease the early tram line. People who get there early to uh, catch the pile. Then we moved to the gondola. And over the years, we've gone from two people up to six people now. And a couple of the members, on Jeff Weidemiller, he's been there over 20 years. Andy Peterson's been playing our drummer. He's been there for 20 years. So we have a longtime core. It's been a lot of fun. We play in all weather conditions.
2: Yeah, and the picture on our website has you, you know, with the school uh, covered face. Just love it. So if you've been to Jackson Hole, you've almost certainly seen Peter Chandler play his music, and that's what we're here to talk about. You've been playing for over 25 years at Jackson Hole, both in the morning, noon, and night. You're like the hardest working person in show business up there on the Jackson Hole scene, you know, with all your different bands playing many, many nights a week, I mean, 7 a.m. in the morning at the tram line, that's that's pretty impressive because that's all weather conditions, I'm sure. So let's talk about some of your ski songs. You've written a handful of ski songs. Let's talk about skis, boots, poles. Skis, boots,
1: poles, people tell me they use as a checklist for their kids in the morning. And it originated the captain of the Jackson Hole Air Force, Mr. Benny Wilson. He gave a hat to our drummer, Andy, and it had like skis, boost poles, and other items along the hat, around the brim of the hat. And as soon as I saw the hat, I was like, oh, I got to make a song up about that. So it's become a really popular song. It's, you know, two-chord song, three-chord song. The Chairman Roots band and Tram Jam do a great job just kind of putting it out there as a fun, happy tune, trying to remember what you need in the morning before you get to the mountain.
2: And you have a line in there, they go bling, bling, Bling bung 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 bling bling. What's that about? Like where did that come to you? Like what are you talking that about
1: there? A couple of things. It could be um when you're waking up in the morning and you're waking up for an early tram and you're trying to get your room made up and so maybe you're a little extra loud in the kitchen. But it can also be just from the reggae tradition. I'm in a reggae band and I listen to a lot of reggae and people like, oh President Brown or anthony b other songwriters like that will use that as part of the reggae sound
2: so it's just silly words that you strung along you just thought to fit into the song this is- just for fun just for fun but a lot of your songs are fun i mean you guys you guys have fun when you play
1: yes we kind of that's that was the original concept and we've tried to keep it whenever we can
2: the chorus is, I got my skis, boots, poles, pass. Why didn't you include pass in the title?
1: No particular reason, I think, except for brevity. Was it an ode to our, our bad country brethren? I don't know. I mean, it certainly wouldn't be included, but I certainly wrote it about the resort.
2: I think this could be a theme song that we should get Vail or you know, one of the other mountains Vail Resorts to play at all their resorts because it is a universal ski song, right? It's not about Jackson and hole. It's about right. the whole ski experience, a checklist for getting out there in the morning, right?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, one of my things ever since I was a little kid, I've just loved the whole culture, the whole snow town culture. And anything I can do to celebrate that in the song, I, I try to for sure.
2: So you grew up in Maine where it's cold, right?
1: I did. I grew up skiing at Sunday River for the most part in Sugarloaf.
2: What town named after a European city did you grow up in?
1: Yeah, I grew up in Falmouth.
2: Oh, Falmouth. So you weren't named, like you are named after a British town. I know they have like Norway, Mexico, and Paris, and, and all those towns up there in that part of Maine, near those ski resorts, right?
1: Well, we have a lot of immigrants, yes.
2: So you grew up learning to ski there, and then you you got the bug and said, I got to try the Western stuff. And do you ever go back and ski the Eastern stuff?
1: I did for a while. I haven't been back there for a while. I'm usually too busy to get that kind of time away now. But I love it back there. It was a great place to grow up, and I love those resorts. But as soon as I was 18, I I jumped in the car and came here.
2: So one of your lines is, I get up in the morning in a tiny little hut. I see that it's snowing. Insides go nuts. Is that...
1: Yeah, for years I skied with butterflies.
2: <laughs> really, <laughs>
1: <laughs> just uh, not not sure what the day was going to bring, and in terms of challenges and just having fun, just pushing yourself.
2: It's that feeling when you see that there's snow outside, or does it have to be fresh for you to get that butterfly feeling, or is it just like waking up in the morning and you know you're going skiing? Well, I
1: think one thing about the Rockies and other big mountain areas is that the technical terrain is always there to be challenging. Whether it's POW or whatever, there's always technical fun to be had out there. But I love a POW day too, of course. You can't beat it.
2: So that would take us to your next song, Ski When It's Time.
1: Well, actually, that's a perfect segue because, yes, a powder day waits for no one. You either have to get it or you don't. And uh, this particular song is partly inspired by our mutual friend, Johnny Verdon.
2: Okay. He runs the open mic night up at the, the Mangy Moose. That's right. At Jackson Hole, right? And, you know, it's a pretty compact music scene and that's where everybody goes, right?
1: For sure. Yeah, no, the moose is great. And John runs a a classic ski bum open mic for sure. So good. But John loves the culture and he's a patroller and he knows how to get after it. And he knows that a powder day is one of the best things on earth. John has been at a lot of early trams. One of the verses is about him. Actually, this story was in the paper where his girlfriend asked him for a second, and he said a second here means second tram. And so that's one of the verses in the song.
2: I see. Girlfriend, she just moving slowly, says, hey, now give a second to me. Right, yep. Johnny feels his senses jam. You know a second here means second tram.
1: Yeah, that's it. It's a little competitive in the morning sometimes.
2: Well, I think by the third tram up at Jackson on a powdered day, it's all gone, right? Yeah.
1: Well, it can be.
2: Unless you know where you're going, right? Unless
1: you know where you're going. Yeah, that's very true. So this is about Johnny V. Yeah, Johnny's just been really committed to the
2: mountain and the lifestyle. So you guys are a reggae ska band. When you write the songs, you have a full horn section. So talk to me about that, writing with a horn section.
1: Well, one of the concepts of the band for the beginning was to have a horn section. And I do play with great musicians. And so really, it's up to the um, horn section, paul Miller, John Kidwell, Rachel Gray Bundy, uh, to come up with the lines. And they use uh, the rich reggae tradition, the reggae roots tradition, to um, kind of call the appropriate lines. Well, so, yeah, they've been great. I mean, they're so good. So as a songwriter, for my bands, I basically I write a complete song for the most part. And then... Everyone in the band writes their own specific parts. If I don't think it's right for the song, I may say something. But for the most part, I want them to be able to get their creative juices out there as well.
0: to drink Just how dumb as it don't become a beautiful stand Just how dumb as it don't become shoot our own foot Just how dumb as it don't become when we don't dare to look Just how dumb Just as it don't become no clean air to breathe just how dumb mess, it don't become with A nuclear sneeze. just how don't mess it don't become a, a slapping ourselves silly, just how don't mess it don't become with mistaking our wealth I need a new operation Cause it's a need for fighting, yeah. I a need for lighting. send the fit so you will put it for a reason Just send the fit to go to hell and keep believing Just send the fit to keep arising up yourself Come on you get your strength From my hand get your strength From inside you get your strength From where I you
1: get your strength Rouse the fire
0: you
2: And so one of your classic reggae songs of the band is New Uprising, wouldn't you say?
1: Yes. Yes. I think it's an important tune. Tell me why. Well, I feel like the environmental crisis is the elephant in the room and that we all recognize it, but we don't, nobody wants to make the hard choices in order to alleviate the problems. So New Uprising, you know, just how it was, Dumb as it all become, no water to drink. The essential thing we need to live, we're ruining. I mean, that's just so crazy. And I think part of the way to get there, part of the way to get to seeing the environmental crisis as not just hopelessness, is part of seeing some kind of solution, is having to have some kind of faith. Faith in Rastafari. But whatever faith that is, somehow... You have to get beyond reason. You have to get beyond the mentality that says, I can't do this. This is too big. It's I just can't. I can't deal with the situation, so I'm just going to pretend it's not happening. Some kind of faith that unless you get beyond reason and to be able to really listen from the heart is really going to be needed, and I think New Uprising tries to address that.
2: So, this is a call to arms, a call to action to save our environment.
1: Yeah, for sure.
2: And you feel inspired to do that because of your faith in Rastafari? I do. Well, explain that to me.
1: Well, I grew up as a Christian. And that's where my value and my belief system came from. And even though I went through a period in my uh, teens and early 20s where I was agnostic at best, I've always known the value of some kind of faith. And then I have a religion degree from college. Um, I went to Marlborough College in Southern Vermont. So I went there to study to be a Christian minister and continued to see that, that just I seemed to like people were nicer when they had some kind of faith. It really wasn't uh, much more complicated than that, that people seemed to be nicer and I seemed to like them more. And so I went to college to study to be a Christian minister, but always challenging the faith. I always seemed to be the black sheep in whatever Christian gathering I was at. So over time, I found a way to, I guess, maintain that Christian faith, that Christian balance, that Christian do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And the Christian belief in the paradox, the the Christian belief in that Christ was both God and man, that Rastafari is both God and man, in the sense that it takes you beyond reason, because reason can't get you to that realization.
2: So you write in New Uprising, just have the faith that you were put here for a reason, just have the faith to go to hell and keep believing, just have the faith to keep rising up yourself.
1: So yes, I guess I do believe that as part of my basic premise of life, I believe that the universe has consciousness, however that manifests itself. And I believe that it's based on physical laws, and I believe it's based on moral laws. And the moral laws are based on love. So I do feel that we were put here for a reason, and that we're not random objects in the universe. However, we fulfill that destiny.
2: And one of the reasons is that we need to have a new uprising to protect our Earth.
1: Right. Go to hell and keep believing. Go through hell. Go through the feeling of hopelessness. I guess I keep saying that the feeling of hopelessness and keep on going. Right. Winston Churchill said, when you get to hell, just keep on going and get to the other side so you can rise up and uh, make something happen.
2: Get your strength from inside. Get your strength from worldwide. Get your strength. Rastafari give.
1: Yeah. Get your strength from on high. So get your strengths from a higher power, get your strengths from God or whatever you want to call that. Get your strengths from worldwide, get your strength from whatever spiritual tradition or religion that talks to that inner voice inside you. I don't care whatever it is, whether it's Rasta or, or whatever it is. So get it worldwide and take from whatever spiritual traditions speak to you.
2: So Peter, you went back after Marlboro College to Harvard to Divinity School.
1: I did. I think about it a lot. And I've also worked as a minister in different capacities off and on for a long time. And now I guess song and writing is my main ministry. I've got a bunch of new tunes that we were about to record right as the COVID thing hit. So we're on hold. i got a bunch of new tunes that are just on hold that deal with the faith issues.
2: Well, one of the songs you sent to me is called Preacher. This clearly is about ministry, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, um me in particular, basically. Let the preacher just practice what he preaches. I think certainly when you're training to be a minister, when you're acting professionally as a minister, you can get awfully preachy <laughs> and you can get saying things that you know are true, but that maybe you're not following through in your personal life and that you really have to, to put your money where your mouth is. I think that continues to be a problem for everybody. Every once in a while, like Jeff, uh, the guitar player for Tram Jam, we've been playing this song together since I wrote it, which was a long time ago. And we continue to play it in Tram Jam, and Jeff always reminds me of different aspects of it, including an old drummer of ours who's a good friend of Jeff's who said, uh, hey, wait a minute, this song's about you. <laughs> I just saw the light bulb go off of, over his head, you know. I'm like, yeah, yep. Yeah. <laughs>
2: So many times I tried to look inside the sacred ark. So many times I left and watched the temple fall apart.
1: Yeah, yeah, sacred ark I think of as the wisdom of the Israelites, you know, the sacred ark. So try to look inside the wisdom of the universe. So many times to look inside the temple and watch it fall apart, you know, try to live up to a certain ideal and not just quite being able to live up to that ideal. Mm-hmm.
0: That me, help me the world by no the reggae with I gotta chill when I said it I'm from my roots and I meant to give it ye, yeah. Jasmine help me change the world I know the reggae will. I gotta chill when I said it I'm From my roots and I meant it yeah, yeah, well will help me change the world I know the reggae will. yeah I gotta chill when I said it I got a feeling you get it
2: So you write in so many styles. We've talked a lot about your reggae ska material so far. Always is in a different vein. I guess
1: so. I think of it as in the Bob Marley tradition somehow but maybe not necessarily that kind of reggae. Thing.
2: So what are you trying to say here in always? What's the message of always?
1: The message of always is that reggae is a powerful force. There's always going to be a little trouble, but reggae and and your faith and and love in particular is going to rise you above that rubble. So be nice because you know you got the feeling inside you and be nice. So, you know, you get the feeling beside you. So it'd be nice. Try to find that inside you, but not always easy.
2: This is very classically Bob Marley, huh? Inspired?
1: Kind of, yeah.
2: You grew up listening to a lot of Bob's music?
1: Well, before college, I played a lot of hacky sax, So I was a professional footbag player for a little bit
2: get out there is such a thing (laughs) professional hacky sack leagues
1: well depends on how you want to say professional but But, um, i mean can
2: you make a living at it well
1: again depends what you want to call a living i can make a hundred bucks and go to the next tournament wow but there are super good people i mean now and now the sport is crazy i mean the people are so good
2: didn't know there was such a thing so playing hacky sack got you into Bob Marley. Give me the connection there.
1: Just because it was great to kick to.
2: Oh, gosh, I got it.
1: That's all. Yeah, yeah. it was great to kick, to kick to Bob Marley and kick to the Grateful Dead. Then for me, that got me to know about the whole reggae and Rastafarian thing. And, and I had a professor in college, Chet Thomas, who also turned me on to the religion aspects of Rastafari.
2: Is one of the Rastafari messages to keep it nice? That's what you're saying here in this song. One of
1: the Rastafari messages is to keep it nice. The opposite of that is to fight for your rights. So you have to find your balance. True, but also to keep it nice is so, um, is, is so hard. I mean, it's not just a trivial thing. It's so hard because you have to give up judgment. That's hard.
0: It's just an illusion When well, it's good
2: You sent me a song which is actually one of my favorites out of everything that you sent me just an illusion this reminds me of uh graham parker it's different it's like a, you rock out on this song in a way that's different i don't know if it is graham parker inspired but
1: it's not graham parker inspired although when i wrote the tune my buddy was listening to my guitar partner was listening to a lot of graham parker at the time i wonder if that had
2: yeah, you and your band remind me of Southside Johnny and Graham Parker, and that you know, with the when you rock out like this with this horn section, that's cool. You know, you don't see a lot of horn sections in bands, especially these days when you know smaller bands have. It's hard to make it with you know big a big lineup. But
1: well, it's true. It is, it is hard, but it's such a treat. Yeah.
2: So tell me about Just an Illusion. What's this about?
1: Just an illusion. Kind of about the Buddhist concept of illusion, that life is an illusion and that your sense of attachment or your sense of non-attachment is what's going to define your reality, is how you see the world. It's going to define how you see the world. So at the time, I think I had worked at the verse about a plane. I had been working at a homeless shelter in White River Junction, Vermont. I met this guy who had crashed a plane and he couldn't get over
2: it. Wow. He was the pilot?
1: Yeah, the pilot, he had become homeless, kind of, because he couldn't, couldn't deal with it anymore. That got me playing the whole song for some reason, even though it's only one verse in the song.
2: Just an illusion you were flying the plane. It's just an illusion that there's no one to blame. No, it always feels tough to find my way, but it's just an illusion at the end of the day.
1: So even something as horrific as that?
2: So this is a Buddhist-inspired song. Yeah. Religion permeates your music. But so you've studied Buddhism as well?
1: I have. I've studied a lot of Buddhism. I've never been a practicing Buddhist before, but I've always been drawn to the Buddhist aspects of Christianity and of Rastafarianism. And so that made me delve into Buddhism more. As well as um, I've worked on different peace protests in the past. And oftentimes we work with the Buddhist community too.
2: Yeah. And that your chorus here, live a dream, dream a life of love. Oh yeah. I mean, that's a great message, right?
1: (laughs) Yeah. Live a dream, dream a life of love. We've all got our challenges, but I think that's one of the goals for sure.
2: And this is played by Waist Deep.
1: Yep. Waist Deep. We haven't played for a long time, but a lot of those tunes, like I said, they live on in Tram Jam.
2: Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. That's sort of sequel to waist deep
1: yeah it's kind of a yeah
2: and they're a little less uh reggae oriented
1: i think at the time we build ourselves as uh, raging uh, reggae and rock
2: when did you start writing songs and why did you start writing songs
1: i began uh writing songs in high school uh, one of my good buddies growing up arthur napolitano always wanted to be a rock star always wanted to be a rock guitarist and so he kind of made me his his singer. And so I began writing songs just for us to play together and we played together through high school and then after high school I went to Boston and played in a rock band with him for a while, continued to write tunes, and then I came out here and then I continued to write tunes. Even when I've gone through periods where I really haven't had any idea why I was writing tunes, I've never quit. I mean, I write it for my ministry I mean, I write it to say what I think should be said. I do it to celebrate what I love, ski bum culture. I think our culture has a lot of worth and a lot of value, and, um, and I want to celebrate that, you know.
2: What makes a song worthy? What's the criteria?
1: Sometimes what makes a song worthy is, is having the courage to say what everybody feels but nobody wants to say That's one of the jobs of the songwriter is to express the emotions and the pondery that makes you feel so vulnerable, but to try to have the courage to express that because no other people will be able to connect to that too, if you have the courage to put it out there. I think that's true.
2: Out of all your songs, is my standard backstory song question. Is there any song that if you could pick the dream voice to sing that song, what, song would you pick of yours and what voice would you want to sing it when
1: i think of saying new uprising i would love to hear um play that are you familiar with Chronic's?
2: yeah yeah yeah
1: i love what he has to say i love his songwriting i love his voice i would love to hear his take on it on on the song i guess
2: yeah he could get the message about save the earth out there to A big audience. I'd love to hear that. That's a great idea. And my last question, Peter: When you're writing a song, how do you know when it's done?
1: I guess I have two answers for that. I guess now, more recently, when I write tunes, I write with a band in mind. So for those type of situations, I need to take it to the band and have the band play it for a little bit to see what works and what doesn't work. Because sometimes I think, "Oh, this is going to be a perfect bridge for the band." And it just falls flat, right? So it's just like, ah, come on. I thought that was going to be great. But you never know until the band actually plays it as a group. So I think that's one of the ways I know it's finished. If I can take it to the band and it clicks with the band and all the parts kind of fall into place, I go, all right, that's awesome. But oftentimes we have to modify it. You know, you have to fine tune it, make it so it fits the band as well as your intentions.
2: Do you ever change it based on the feedback from the audience at the mangy moose or at the bottom of the tram?
1: Some songs I've played in front of people so much that I know, oh, maybe this little part doesn't work, and i'll go I'll go back and try to fix it. You hate to take people to an emotional place and then somehow take that away from them with a bad transition part or something right that takes them out of the moment that takes them out of the magic of it all, so I try to eliminate those parts which take people out of the moment. And oftentimes, if I'm writing a tune, sometimes I'll write it quickly, but other times, man, I'll have a great A part, but I just can't find the B part, and I'll wait. I'll wait until I can find the right B part. I'll be, no, this A section is too good. <laughs> I ruin it with a mediocre B part, right? So.
2: But one other thing, and I just remember I want to cover... I really love the harmonies in your song. And I guess it's Molly Moon Thorne who contributes a lot of these for you. She's your harmonizing vocalist. How do you put those together? Tell me about that. Like, how does that come? Do you write thinking this requires a harmony part or?
1: I don't. I've been singing with people for so long that I write kind of thinking, oh, I hope they do a nice part to this. (laughs) But I don't write thinking of that. And Molly is so good at just hearing the harmony, as well as Andy Peterson, our drummer, Rachel Gray Bundy also does harmonies, and John Kidwell in the band. So it is a group of different people that will do harmonies at different times, even though Molly is the main figure.
2: I have to thank you, Peter, the Chanman Chandler, who is the head of Chanman Roots Band, also Waist Deep and uh, Tram Jam and his own eponymous Chan Man, which is more jazz oriented. If you ever get to Jackson Hole and get a chance to see him and his group, I highly encourage it. Peter, is there anyone you'd like to thank in our episode here or, or anything you'd like to promote coming up?
1: Well, I'd like to thank all the promoters in Jackson for sure and all the musicians I play with. I'd like to thank my wife, Kathy, who supports me in all these endeavors, as well as I'm playing every Wednesday and Saturday nights at Hayden's Post, playing every Tuesday at the Snake River Brew Pub, playing every Sunday at Melvin's Brewing in Alpine, Wyoming, and every other Friday night at the Teton Pines Country Club.
2: You know, there's an incredible music scene going on up there in Jackson Hole. It is because of you and your friends, and we thank you for that. I'd like to thank DJ Wyatt Schmidt for helping me always, the master recording artist. Thank you, everybody.
1: You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable.